Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. But if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along with us and track um, you're welcome to go to the digital bulletin. I threw notes in there. All the passages are in there. Um, the song lyrics for what we've done. The title. Hopefully I threw that right title in there. Um, from death comes life. Easter is one of those moments where, as churches in general, we celebrate. We celebrate the excitement of what Jesus has done. And I want to hopefully capture why that excitement exists by talking a little bit about the death part of it, because on Good Friday, many of us probably didn't celebrate Good Friday, um, but if you did, you understand that that was where Jesus was um, falsely accused, arrested, beaten. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but, um, and then put on a cross. And then now what we celebrate is the tomb is empty, that the stone has been rolled away, and that he has conquered death. That three days later, he rose from the dead. And what I want to do is hopefully help us see why this resurrection stuff that we talk about as a church, why this new life Easter stuff is so exciting and so life-giving and so good, okay? In order to do that, we got to kind of go through a little bit of a journey to talk about why death is important in order to have life. And... um, I want to start out by talking about outer space. Do we have any outer space freaks in here that just love? Okay. (laughs) The Star Wars Wars counts, definitely. Um, So I've been reading this book by John Tyson, and um, it's called The Burden is Light, as in bright light. Um, And he starts out with this story talking about how this space shuttle um, Voyager, does anybody know what Voyager is? Anybody heard of that? Space shuttle? Cool. Okay. Anybody into that? Like studied it in any way? Cool. I'm going to teach you some stuff then. This is awesome. Okay. Um, So what I learned is that in 1977, they sent out space shuttle Voyager, no one in it, but they sent it out thinking that they might be communicating with some sort of other life forms out there, somewhere out there, right? And so what they did was they said, we need to like, try and capture what life is like here on Earth in order to communicate this to this other potential being, right? So they made a golden record, as you do, that has all the classic hits of the songs that we listen to, right? And uh, take a guess what one of those songs might have been. You probably wouldn't guess it. <laughs> so they... they Threw some Bach in there. Um, I forgot it was Prelude and C. They threw Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, naturally, because that's what you'd rock out to in space. And they played it out into space, thinking that, you know, like otherworldly people are going to see, hear this and somehow experience it. They threw a bunch of pictures into this box that they're going to hopefully, like, show these people. Um, and the pictures consisted of this is pretty wild um, a family in a grocery store. That captures life. (laughs) Um, What else was it? There was um, a girl on a balance beam, nature, geography, pictures of science, and then obviously this golden record. One of the 
the things that they decided to use to capture human flourishing, what life looks like here on earth, was an infant's cry and a mother um, nurturing that infant. That's how they decided to capture it. I'm like, hmm, all right. I'm going to pose a question to you. If you had to sum up human flourishing, would that consist of all the things that you would consider human flourishing here on earth? Probably not. You're like, "Eh, it's kind of a limited list, limited list, right? It's kind of not a lot going on there. I'd probably choose some different songs. um, But there's so much more than just what they tried to compile right there. And so what I want to ask you guys is like, what makes good? What makes something good, flourishing, amazing here on earth? Take a moment. Think about that. Take a deep breath. What is good? It wouldn't be Easter if I wasn't talking about mangoes. So I'm just going to subtly weave it in over and over, okay? Because Krista said I can't talk about it. Just kidding. Um, every Easter I talk about mangoes. This is one of the things I do. So I shamefully am going to like just talk about mangoes subtly on the side, but it's not really part of my illustration. But if I had to sum up life, it would just be mangoes. The mangoes are so good. They're so delicious, so sweet. But that's not it, right? If you're going to sum up life and you're going to sum up human flourishing in like a few sentences or a few things, it's hard to do, right? Really complicated. The difficult thing is, is a lot of times when we try to talk about human flourishing and what is so good about life, we use things like, I don't know, more money, more stuff, more people in our lives, right? Begin to think through. Like, if you had to describe human flourishing, what would you describe? What would you use? If you had to communicate what sums up the most I guess, condensed part of being a human. What would that look like? What would that be for you? Like I said, some people will sum it up with money. Would enough money make you feel like that's flourishing? Many people that have lots of money have talked about like it doesn't really equal, equate to flourishing. Um, is it enough fame? Would tons of fame equal flourishing? You could probably ask some celebrities. They'd probably say, yeah, it comes with a lot of complications, right? It's not all that it's cracked up to be. So fame probably doesn't do it. Money, stuff, knowing lots of people, none of that does it. What I want you to think through and process as I begin to talk about resurrection life and as I talk about Easter, what flourishing looks like. The next thing that John Tyson talks about in as he talks about flourishing and trying to understand that, is he goes to this example, which it's kind of like part of this message is a little bit of darkness to it, but in order to talk about life, we have to talk about death, okay? And what he does is he takes his kids and he takes them to a uh, cemetery and says, look at the gravestones and what's on them. Typically, you'll see a name and then you'll see a date, right? What's the first date? your born date, there's a dash, and then there's what? The death date. On that stone, your life is summed up with name. Sometimes it's a funny name, a nickname in between, quote unquote, you know, um, lived epically, whatever. Um, And then a date when you were born, a dash, and then a date when you died. That's it. That sums up your entire life. And what he said was, look at the dash. 
Think about the dash. The dash is what sums up your entire life, really. And so if I had to ask you, if someone was like, well, actually, I'm not going to ask you. If someone next to you had to sum up your life, they were like, what's your dash? Let me sum it up for you right now. What do you think they would say? What's your dash? Think about that. I was prompted when I read this, and I was like, wow, the dash is so significant. The dash is like, if I had to sum up the dash, that's a really complicated thing. For me, it would be like, I hope I'm known for just loving mangoes. And people were like, dude, Nate loved mangoes. He was obsessed with them. He'd eat them constantly. Ate one last night, shared it with the girls. Did you guys like it? They liked it, see? <laughs> I hope that I'm just known for the mangoes, right? The mango guy. <laughs> would that be enough? No. no. Hopefully, hopefully it's not enough. I don't want to be just known as mango. Please don't put that on my epitaph, okay? Um, it's done. But think about it. Think about it. If someone else had to like just talk about your life right now, come up here, steal the mic from me, and be like, this is their dash. Let me talk about it. What kind of words do you typically people use when they're going to sum up your life? Right? Think about that. Think about how valuable that is and how important that is because that really is what's going to impact and influence how we live life here right now. And it'll change the way that you make your decisions. It'll change the way that you view everything. Because when we begin to see the dash differently, we begin to transform our thinking, everything about us, and it just changes where we go. I propose that we discover flourishing when we begin to learn to surrender, to die to ourselves, to begin to serve and love others, that that's where we begin to flourish. And if you're not convinced, let me take a little bit of time to tell you why. That in dying, people experience life. That when I die to myself, it brings life to others. When you serve others, you're giving up of your time, money, talents, resources, your energy. You could be taking a nap. You could be doing anything else. But if you serve others, you're dying to yourself in order for others to live. And what I hear most when I do funerals, uh, celebrations of life, is people talking about how the person was loving, kind, generous. They gave up their time. They're always willing to listen, right? They never talk about, like, they loved their mangoes. They loved money. They loved their fame. They never talk about that stuff. They talk about the ways that they served and loved and gave up of themselves and died of themselves in order to serve others, right? I could just end the message right now. Happy Easter. Let's move on, right? But let's talk about how do we begin to die to ourselves? Why is that so significant? And why is dying to ourselves a beautiful thing? That's a weird dichotomy, right? Die to yourself and you're like, this is Easter. We should be talking about resurrection life and how amazing that is. But we don't experience life unless we experience death. This mango wouldn't exist unless some tree dropped a seed, it died, and gave life to another tree that produced more seeds that produced delicious mango flesh. It is so good, right? There has to be that death that has to take place in order for life to happen. And I want to sum it up this way. St. Francis had a very beautiful poem that I've shared with you guys probably I don't know, hundreds would be exaggerating, but I've shared it with you guys many times. Because it sums up 
exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about we need to die in order to live. In order for there to be flourishing and amazing life, there has to be sacrifice and death. And here's why. Check it out. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. So this is him talking about this kind of flourishing life. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. It gets even more beautiful. He says, oh, Master, oh, God, Jesus, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand others, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that one receives. You guys heard that phrase before? It's better to give than to receive. You're like, wait a minute. That's like a Christmas thing. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Do you guys see the dichotomy? Over and over, he's just like, it's in surrender. It's in like laying down of my life that life really happens. And what's interesting, and I didn't really understand this, um, and I still don't fully grasp it, but I'm learning, um, is that I didn't always believe this and I didn't always understand this fully because I was like, this dichotomy doesn't make sense. Why would we die? Why would we surrender? Like the culture in our world tells us, no, you do you and be great and be awesome and be the best you possibly can because that's what matters most. But as I began on this journey when I was in high school of discovering what Easter is about, what Jesus is about, I began to learn that it's really about surrender that really that's where we begin to find life. And I'm going to show you this passage. This is going to be like kind of like our, our theme passage for today that we'll unpack in a couple verses, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with flowers, and it's going to be beautiful. But check this out. This sums up what I'm talking about. This is like Jesus really condensing Easter into one little couple of verses. Um, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So it's, he's talking about his death, but then also his glorification because he was not just dead. We celebrate his resurrection, the fact that he conquered death. And he says, very, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat or a mango seed falls to the ground and dies, there has to be that death. Every seed, you know that process. Every seed has to die in order for germination to take place. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It continues on to bring more life, life abundant, right, that Jesus talks about. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So you might be saying, like, why am I going to hate my life? No, like, I want to help you guys see that this is about a surrender as much as it is experiencing real, true, eternal life that he's talking about. And so I want to share with you guys kind of my journey is that the first time I heard this was in high school, and I think I was a junior in high school, and I remember sitting in a church in Oside, Grace Chapel, down by the pier. And I was sitting in the back row of the church. And I remember listening to an Easter message. And the pastor was talking about the journey of Jesus to the cross. And I was like, wow, this is dark and heavy. 
And I remember him describing the thorns being put into Jesus' head, him being spit on, him being falsely accused, him being dragged through the city, carrying a cross, going through the whole process of pain, of sorrow, right? Being nailed to a cross. He went through the whole description. I'm not going to go into it because we've got kids in the room and it just gets gory and really intense. But really, like, as he started to describe all of that and then went into the Easter message of, but he is risen and he conquered death, I began to see how much God loves us. I was like, a God that would love me this much? And my eyes started to sweat, right? So naturally, like, that happens because they just do when you get really emotional. And it really hit me. It was one of those things where it was just like, tears started coming down. And I remember just going, there's a God that loves us that much. That much. That he would go through all of that pain, all of that suffering, in order to take on all of that, that death, right? In order to bring life. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was just like, I just couldn't deny the fact that God loved us and that he loved us that much that he would surrender his life that much. So why do I talk about that? Because the death part of it brings meaning to the life part of it, right? That without the death, we don't experience that. We would be like, if Jesus just went and was like, hey guys, it's good, I love you guys, and um, I'm out. You'd be like, there's nothing significant about this. I can't relate to that. I don't understand. Like, you've done nothing to demonstrate true love. But anytime you've experienced that, you go, you know what? Where someone's laid down their life, someone's sacrificed, someone's done something for you, you go, wow, that's love. That is love. They've done something beautiful. And this is like the ultimate example of love and sacrifice for us. And it transformed my life. Um, the verse that the, the pastor used to kind of sum it up was this one. He says, for rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a person, perhaps someone might even dare to, or sorry, for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare die. But God proves his love. Check this out. He proves it to us. His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that hit me. I was like, oh, that's how much God loves us, that he died for us. Like That is a, a crazy amount of love that I can't even comprehend. And not just a, a simple death, but it was, it was heavy. There was a lot of weight to it. And we can talk about that. And if this whole process, I didn't have time to like kind of just like go into the whole like science behind it and everything that goes on, but I did put a link for you guys to watch. It's like a four-minute video that I would encourage you to watch this week that talks about that process of Jesus um, to the cross and then the resurrection and how real that is because he revealed himself to people. And if there's something that you're like, hey, I don't understand that and that seems really weird and I, I don't know if I can fully believe it, I would encourage you to watch it. It's by Lee Strobel. Um, he was an atheist that then did tons of research and dug into it and found that there was so much evidence that he couldn't deny it, that he had to believe that there is a God. I would encourage you to watch. I don't have time to get into it. But what I want to talk about is that death brings life. And in this verse, we see, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And when we begin to die to ourselves, when we begin to like take on this Jesus way of life, 
we begin to die to ourselves and that produces life around us. That when you begin to die to yourself, when you go out into this week, you have opportunities to serve people that are difficult to love. You have opportunities to plant seeds there because people will see the contrast between people that are obsessed with money, fame, power, whatever, just comfort versus you who come along and serve and love and come with generosity and come with patience and kindness, that that will be a contrast way of life that people will go, wow. And that's a planted seed. That's a delicious mango in someone's life that will transform life. Unless those seeds fall to the ground, which, I don't know, like my yard right now is completely filled with those dead seeds that turn to life. And there is like an overgrown, overabundance amount of weeds in my yard and flowers and all kinds of stuff just growing that I don't even want it to grow, but it's growing. Those seeds died and produced a ton, like so much stuff that I got to clean up um, that it's almost overwhelming. And I imagine, what if we all began to live that kind of life? That there was so much flourishing, so much goodness, so much generosity, that it was like people can't contain it, right? Like, it's going to take me weeks to clean out my yard of all the, like, weeds that are just overgrown. What if, like, we had that kind of wildfire excitement about what Jesus is doing? Not just at Easter. Like, you guys know, as a church, we don't go crazy on Easter. We're like, here, we celebrate. We decorate the cross with flowers, but... Really, like this should be like every week we are excited, blown away by the fact that God loves us so much that he gives us opportunities to be that kind of blessing, to plant these kind of seeds in everyday life, right? That this is every Sunday that we get to plant these kind of seeds, and it's so amazing. And what I want to do is continue to help us kind of see this like death to life thing happen. And I want to share um, a little clip. It's uh, Jim Carrey. And you're like, okay, where's he going with this? Um, but he's speaking. He's doing like the five-minute devotional. I watch these five-minute devotionals that they do at Homeboy Industries. It's a ministry that's in L.A. And um, this ministry, it's downtown L.A. I'm going like, to give you a little description of what they, how they describe themselves. Um, it's a job training for formerly gang-involved and previously incarcerated men and women so they can redirect their lives and become contributing members of society. Homeboy's innovative model for therapeutic wraparound services has helped the organization be recognized as one of the most successful re-entry programs in the nation, okay? Jim Carrey talks at this, um, these like five-minute devotions. You can look it up. Look it up, Homeboy Industries. They do amazing things to get people from um, transitioning from being incarcerated into normal life. And... Um, the, I guess just listen to the message that he gives because I think he understands what it means to go from life to death, what it means to choose the different paths that we have. So check this out. And uh, thank you. I'd like to say thank you to Father Greg and his gigantic heart. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Any of us in here with his heart. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I want to speak to uh, the fact that I believe uh, that this room is still with God. And, uh, and that you are heroes to me. And I admire you. Because when you step through these doors, you decide to be a part of this family. 
you've made a decision to transcend and to leave darkness behind. And it takes a champion to make that decision. And uh, I really want to speak to the fact that I've had some challenges in the last couple of years myself. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I believe that suffering leads to salvation. And in fact, it's the only way that uh, we have to somehow accept and not deny, but feel our suffering and feel our losses. And, uh, and then we make one of two decisions. We either decide to go through the gate of resentment, which leads to vengeance, which leads to self-harm, which leads to harm to others, or we go through the gate of forgiveness, which leads to grace. And uh, your being here is an indication that you've made that decision already. You've made the decision to walk through the gate of forgiveness to grace, just as Christ did on the cross. He suffered terribly, and he was broken by it to the point of doubt and a feeling of absolute abandonment, which all of you felt. And uh, then there was a decision to be made. And the decision was to look upon the people who were causing that suffering, or the situation that was causing that suffering, with compassion and with forgiveness. And that's what opens the gates of heaven for all of us. The choice to redirect, the choice to say, I'm going to just choose my way, or to choose to say, I'm going to surrender my life, I'm going to die to myself, my own desires, my desire to get vengeance, like you mentioned, my desire to retaliate, to do whatever it is, to say, I'm going to surrender to forgiveness and say, I'm going to bring life to this world. I think um, there's something really beautiful about that and coming from a celebrity that could say, I, could, I don't need any of this, I could do anything I want, but is willing to recognize that after his journey even, that really it's dying to himself that matters most. Um, it's so contrast to what we're fed in our culture and what we're told is success. But if we die, it produces many seeds. My hope is that we begin to see that there are two paths. He mentioned that we have two choices in life, to choose resentment or to choose forgiveness. To choose the way of my way or the highway, um, or choosing the way of love and of grace, right? Jesus, God incarnate at any moment could have said, I don't need this. I ain't got time for this. But didn't. Chose humility. Chose to demonstrate what life looks like by taking up a cross, right? And he invites his disciples over and over. He says, take up your cross and follow me. There has to be this moment where you just say, you know what? It's about, it's not about me. It's about God. It's completely surrendered to him. But it takes this way of looking. And this is something that Scripture invites us through, all the way through, uh, from the beginning, 
over and over to begin to see the difference between the two. Um, in Isaiah 43, it, it articulates this beautifully, and it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So there's a question of, like, we need to perceive what's going on. We need to perceive, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the transcendent. We need to perceive that God is at work, even though all around us we just experience a physical life where we're like, this is all just very physical, like, I can't see the spiritual. But when we begin to look into our heart and we begin to ask questions of like what flourishing looks like, what thriving looks like, what real life looks like, we start to go, you know what? It really isn't about all this stuff. I could have a million mangoes. It's not going to make me happy, is it? I actually get sick from it. It's too much. But when we begin to really sit with it, we begin to go, you know what? I need to perceive that there's something more. He says, I'm making a new way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing something in the midst of where you see wasteland, where you see darkness, where you don't quite understand what's going on. He says, I'm doing something very beautiful. And this is where I want to use this illustration. Oh, you can't see it. I can see it. Maybe you can over here. The idea of us living in the light and dying to ourselves is complicated. It's difficult. Um, But what Jesus reminds us is that we get to live in that light step by step that he says, I will be a light unto your path. And if you've experienced this, you guys can see the edge of it better here. Um, When you shine a light and you begin to see just that section of it, that's all you're given. If it's really dark at night and you're walking, you get to see this ring of light and that's it. There's darkness all around. There's darkness beyond it but you get to see this next step, right? Um, This is my dive light. I use it when I go diving in the dark for lobster. And um, it gets very dark. And literally all I see is this ring of light. That's it. The perimeter, anything outside of that is mysterious. I have no clue. And I've had to learn to deal with that mysterious outside darkness that I have no idea what's going on. But I have to surrender that everything I can see is good. And I'm good right now. And this is okay. I think that sums up the Christian walk in some ways, that we need to have that kind of vision that goes, you know what? I don't know what everything else is going to look like in my life. I don't know what God's going to do steps two, three, and four. And maybe you've been there, like every challenge I've ever faced in my life, I don't know what step three, four, five, and six look like. But I do know what that step looks like. I do know that I can step into that ring of light and go, God is good. The transcendent is at work. God's doing something miraculous. I don't know what else but I do know step one, right? Step one, I do know. And I hope that that kind of helps us see that what Jesus is doing, you may not fully understand all of it, but when we begin to take step one, the light moves a little more and you get step two and then you get step three, but you don't need to know all of that that's out there, all the darkness that exists and why things aren't working the way that you want them to do in your life, why things have turned out the way they have, um, There's a faithfulness to what Jesus invites us to in this surrender. And if that death to life dichotomy doesn't make sense to you, I hope that you just take that one step to say, well, I'm going to surrender my life one step and say, I trust that God's got me. I trust that by being nice to this person, even though it's difficult to be nice to them, that God will do something in the middle of that, that the transcendent is at work. I don't know all the rest of it, but I'll do this one step small steps towards 
what God is doing to bring full redemption. The dark cross is this beautiful symbol of what Jesus has done. But then here at Easter, we celebrate the resurrection and we get to celebrate the life. So I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to close with this song. And the lyrics are so perfect to what we are talking about because there's freedom that Jesus brings to us. The darkness wants to destroy us. Jesus talks about this over and over, that the darkness wants to destroy us and um, steal, rob life from us. But what Jesus says, I want to bring life that's flourishing. But that requires death. It requires us to surrender life and begin to say, you know what? I give my life to you. I want to serve. I want to die to myself and I want my own agenda. And I want to begin to serve you, Jesus. I want to begin to serve the people around me. I want to begin to love people the same way that Jesus did. I want to read these lines from Charles Wesley because of how beautiful this is. And it says, Love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight. The victory won. Jesus' agony is over. Darkness veils the earth no more. Therefore, we can confidently rejoice for Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. He is risen is the line that I want you to focus on. And he is continuing to live that, bring that resurrection life in day-to-day life here. It's not 2,000 years ago. It's today. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to have you stand. And to proclaim this fact that he is risen, it's not just he was risen, he is risen, and he continues to resurrect life every single day. Um, and in this song, you're going to see this, these lyrics. It says, it's called Freedom is Coming, and it has a name, and it is Jesus. And it says, one by one, chain by chain, watch them fall as we lift up your name. And what I want you to do is come up, and there's tons of flowers up here. What I want you to do is decorate this, clo- this cross representing that freedom that we get to step into, that Jesus has removed those chains, that he set us free, that he brings new life. And if you brought flowers, that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. Just decorate it up. We want to completely cover the darkness with life, right? Because seeds had to die in order to create these flowers that we get to hold, right? Life exists because of death. And so we are invited into that same thing. Let's die to ourselves so there may be life. Amen. Come as you please and just come on up and decorate it and then I'll close this out with prayer.